Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and thank you for joining me. Today is Sunday the 24th of October 2021 and what a glorious day it is. So much of Australia is now moving rapidly towards a COVID safe reopening. And of course, my own beloved Van Battam is due to come home and hopefully record the very next episode of the week on Wednesday with me from our home, possibly even in the shed with Germanicus next week. It is been a remarkably difficult time for so many, many people right across the country. And it is so good to see things starting to reopen in the eastern seaboard. And of course, people in WA probably are thinking, what have they been going on about over there in the east of Australia? Things have been fine and dandy here for some time. Thank you very much. Well, we appreciate that, uh, good listeners in Perth. But for us on the eastern seaboard, it is a really, really exciting, if somewhat nerve-wracking time as well. Of course, we still have quite high case numbers in Victoria. Uh, New South Wales is still recording about 300 cases a day, and we're still seeing too many people die. However, the record numbers of people getting vaccinated. They had a Super Saturday vaccination session in Brisbane, in Queensland, uh, this weekend. We've seen record numbers in Victoria get vaccinated and, of course, in the ACT as well. I'm told that in Queensland they're doing pop-up clinics at Bunnings, at theme parks, and even at the beach. So keep an eye out for that if you're in Queensland and you want to get vaccinated, you can get it done at the beach. I can't imagine a more Australian thing than getting doing your public health duty at the beach than grabbing a snag at Bunnings on the way home from a theme park. What a weekend out that would be. That... That's some good news to start us off today. I want to talk uh, today about some of the news that came through at the back end of the week since we recorded the week on Wednesday. And in particular, I want to talk about the issues around corruption, political culture, and the failure of the Morrison government to ensure the bedrock of our democratic society that is open, transparent, and accountable government. We saw the end of this week Eddie Obeid, Moses Obeid, and Ian McDonald all sentenced to prison terms for their roles in a corruption scandal during the last Labor government in New South Wales. They were ripping off millions, tens of millions of dollars in a scam that was designed to enrich them through the granting of coal mining licenses. Now, ICAC uncovered this. It's taken almost 10 years to get to the point where these jail sentences have been handed down, but they have now been handed down, and it would not have happened without ICAC. Let's be really clear about this. The Obeid McDonald scandal only became known because of ICAC and its investigations. The arrogance of Eddie Obeid at that ICAC investigation certainly didn't do him any favours in the long run. Now, ICAC is, of course, investigating Gladys Berejiklian. And we saw this week significant, significant evidence that suggested many people involved in the process of awarding the $5.5 million grant to the 
uh, Clay Shooting Association in Wagga Wagga were surprised, didn't understand why this was coming up. It thought that there was a sweetheart deal. That's a direct quote from a from a note that was written. And would have acted differently if they had known about the relationship between Gladys Berejiklian and Daryl Maguire, including the Premier at the time, Mike Baird, his Chief Strategy Officer, and a number of public servants. So whether Gladys has done something corrupt or not, the lack of transparency in her dealings and behaviour when she was Treasurer of New South Wales may have resulted in a misallocation, at very least a misallocation, possibly worse, of taxpayer-funded money to a project that was not worthy of that money, and at the same time, another project missing out. Because for every dodgy project, every bad land deal, every dollar that's given to a company that doesn't need it by a government seeking political favour or trying to buy votes, there is a community organisation that misses out. There is a family that doesn't get the support that they need. There is a service that is not provided to people who need help and assistance. That's the real cost of this corruption and this failure to execute their duties properly. So ICAC is doing its job in New South Wales and all of this banging on and nonsense that we were hearing about how ICAC is no good and Gladys was so popular seems to have dissipated rather rapidly. Of course, Dominic Perrottet is now being dragged into this as well because he was part of that government at the time and part of that process in some way, shape or form. There's going to be more hearings on that and we expect to hear more. The other thing that happened this week is there was a federal sitting of parliament, the Commonwealth Parliament sat, and Christian Porter was referred to the Privileges Committee by the Speaker of the House. The Privileges Committee essentially is there to have oversight of the behaviour of parliamentarians, because parliamentarians are still civil servants. It's still a job. There are still rules in place about how you do that job and what you can and can't do. And the Privileges Committee is there to look at the privileges parliamentarians have and how they use or misuse those. Now, for the first time in Australian history, the Morrison government used its numbers on the floor of the parliament to override the Speaker's decision to refer Christian Porter to a Privileges Committee investigation. That is an unbelievable misuse of power by the Morrison government. The purpose of the Speaker being the one to make those kind of referrals is that the Speaker's role is to act independently of government, even though they are effectively uh, from the same party as government or rely on the party of government's numbers to hold that position, they do act independently. And Tony Smith, who is the Speaker, was acting independently. He was acting in the interests of the parliament and our parliamentary democracy by making that referral. Scott Morrison and the Liberal National Government were acting in their own interests in protecting Christian Porter from that investigation. They don't want Porter's behaviour to be investigated. They don't want Porter's mystery donation to be revealed. This is 
a phenomenal abuse of power. And there's no recourse. There's nothing anybody can do. Albanese and the Labor Party came out hard. Many people in the media criticised this. But fundamentally, in our system of government, where Scott Morrison has now failed for well over a 1,000 days to deliver a federal ICAC, there is no body that can do anything about this. Now, there will be some form of Senate inquiry, I'm sure. There will be some form of internal investigation. But as we saw with the three or four different internal investigations that Morrison set up into the treatment of women by his government in the parliament and the treatment of women by his government more broadly, even if they come up with recommendations, there's a very good chance he won't implement any of them or only implement a few. At the same time, the Morrison government was desperate to change the news story, not just from its own failure to deal with corruption and its opposition to a federal ICAC, even though we had two remarkable and bipartisan, in a way, examples of how important a proper ICAC is in the Obeid and Berejiklian cases, where they have investigated led to criminal punishment of criminal acts and are investigating and uncovering the truth of a process and a system. And we will see what comes from that. Even though Morrison has opposed all of that, he was so desperate to change the conversation. He rolled out Alan Tudge to declare a culture war on schools. Again, Alan Tudge is a man who had an affair with his staff member while campaigning against marriage equality because it was against the sanctity of marriage. Alan Tudge is not a person who can lecture others about values. If he is a representation of Australian values, then he represents the very worst of Australian values. A man of power and privilege who used that power and privilege to entice and seduce a member of his staff, who when that relationship ended, he moved his staff into the office of Michaelia Cash, who, Michaelia Cash, who has facilitated the exit of a number of female liberal staffers who have been involved in various issues, Brittany Higgins, and of course, Alan Tudge's uh, former staff member uh, as well. And then the hypocrisy of campaigning against marriage equality while conducting an affair. These are the very worst traits that we could possibly expect. So for him to stand up and criticise the idea that we want to explore what it means when Australia goes to war and why we go to war and the process that that, that, it, that entails... For him to say that that would make us less likely to defend Australian values is ridiculous. It's a nonsense. It's designed to try and change the subject. And the subject is the Morrison government is in the process of covering up corruption, that Alan Tudge is unfit to be a minister. He is certainly unfit to be an education minister. Then, of course, you had Peter Dutton come out as well. They rolled out Peter Dutton who himself was involved in a defamation lawsuit. How many ministers in the Liberal Party need to be involved in defamation lawsuits? They have a bit of a glass jaw when it comes to public criticism. So much so that Peter Dutton believes that the taxpayers, that's you and I, should fund an entitlement 
for them to take legal action against us when we criticise them. That's right, Peter Dutton suggested a standing fund that MPs could use to sue Australian citizens for defamation. Of course, the Labor Party quite rightly dismissed this idea as nonsense and totally outrageous. In the same sitting week where the Morrison government voted to protect Christian Porter from an investigation into receiving a million-dollar anonymous donation, they also suggest the taxpayers should fund them to sue taxpayers for defamation. And, of course, all of this, all of this colour and movement, to some degree, hides the fact that this week Scott Morrison and the Nationals have still failed to deliver any meaningful policy to address climate action in this country. At the start of the week, it was all the discussion, all the discussion for two weeks, that there would be movement on climate, that Morrison wanted to have a new policy and a position that moved us forward so that when he goes to Glasgow, he could announce something. And of course, all week... The nation has been discussing, what are we going to do about climate change? What are we going to do about climate change? And the issue has dragged on and on and on. Eight and a half years of Liberal National Government. And they still have the same policy they had when Tony Abbott abolished the price on carbon. 26 to 28% reduction. That's it. That's all they've got. They still can't come to terms with doing any more than what they promised to do eight and a half years ago. And of course, it's costing us. It's costing us hugely. The EU has already broken off free trade talks. We're seeing billionaires in Australia now talking about having to offshore jobs to low-emission countries. There's discussions about what it will mean for regional Australia as our climate gets worse and more hostile. But Morrison does nothing. Because the, the nationals have threatened to walk out of the government. Well, I, like many Australians, say go for it. Absolutely go for it. I don't see Barnaby Joyce giving up the extra couple of hundred thousand dollars a year that he gets to be Deputy Prime Minister. I don't see Bridget McKenzie letting go of the barrels of pork that she so happily hands out to her favoured constituents and constituencies. I don't see Keith Pitt suddenly giving back the ability to issue water licences and control Australia's water tables, which are so vital to the National Party constituents. This is an empty threat by a party that barely polls 5%. They are so determined, so determined to milk every penny from the taxpayer that they can, that they're prepared to hold the nation to ransom and embarrass not just Scott Morrison, because frankly, who cares, but themselves and the entire nation on the global stage. 
I'm proud to be an Australian. I'm proud of our public health responses to COVID. I'm proud of our industrial relations system, which has a strong minimum wage. I'm proud of our superannuation system. So much of what Australia does is good. I'm proud of the fact that we constantly strive to make all of those things better. But when you see the nationals and their petty horse trading and pork barreling, holding the whole country hostage, trying to extract a ransom to move simply to where our allies are on emissions reduction, it does make you feel a little sick. And it makes you realise that they, like Alan Tudge, like Peter Dutton, like Christian Porter, represent the very worst elements very worst elements of what it means to be Australian. I want to talk a little bit about the industrial relations that I mentioned just before, because there's a couple of stories that came out towards the end of the week that you might have missed, and I think they're very important. One is about strawberry picking, and another one is about delivery drivers taking strike action. Firstly, on strawberry pickers. So in Queensland, the Strawberry Pickers Association announced they would give a $100,000 cash prize and they would give this to 10 people if they participated in the strawberry picking season. There was a 1 in 100 chance to win. The businesses that participated had to pay people according to the award arrangements and had to be auditable and people obviously had to do the do the picking and get the points to enter into the competition. Now, there were some 2,500 people who entered and people won their prizes and the prizes were handed out and lots of people who were involved were very happy about this. The people who organised it, the people who won, very, very happy. Of course, what this doesn't do is address the structural problems in the agriculture sector in Australia. The Australian Workers' Union is trying to run a case to lift the award conditions, particularly for berry picking. Now, this sort of competition seems really nice and fuzzy on the surface of it, but when you get underneath the hood, when you think about this a little more deeply, what this says is that We are prepared as a society to effectively create competitions for people to be paid more money to do the same job rather than lift the wages of everyone. This is a dangerous Hunger Games style situation. It's not quite the Squid Game, but it is definitely got an element of the Hunger Games about it that workers would be pitted against each other because, of course, the more you pick, the more points you get, the more points you get, the more times you can enter, the more times you can enter, the greater chance of winning. That we would put people in that circumstance as a means of getting people to come and work in an industry as opposed to saying, let's lift the wages, let's lift the standards of the industry so that people want to come and work here, so that the productivity of this industry is lifted by people wanting to participate in it. Instead, we're promoting a competition that effectively entrenches low wages and poor conditions, but incentivizes people to take a chance on winning a big cash prize. 
Compare that to what's happening right now in the trucking industry and the livery industry in Australia. Already we've seen strike action at toll. FedEx strike action will take place from Monday, that's tomorrow, and Star Trek Express strike action is underway as well. Now, Star Trek Express is owned by Australia Post, which is, of course, a government-owned entity. Now, what are these workers striking for? They're striking for better job security. They're striking to maintain rates of pay for safer working conditions. And let me tell you, we want conditions to be safe for truck drivers because we all have to share the road with them. We all have to share the road with them. And if they're exhausted or if their trucks aren't safely maintained or if they're under pressure to speed to get to the destinations within unreachable timeframes, then we're all put at risk. Now, in that industry, they, those workers are standing together. They've rejected the concept of being split apart and incentivized against each other. And the Transport Workers Union is obviously helping coordinate that. Now, both of these unions, the AWU and the TWU, are working to organize these workers. And in both of those sectors, agriculture and in transport, they face some employers who are determined to prevent this. We can expect to see more of this, more of this attempt to pit us against each other as the pressure mounts on certain sectors of the labour market with some areas experiencing shortages. There's no such thing as a labour shortage. It's just that wages aren't being paid well enough. If there's a shortage of labour in an industry, it's because wages are too low, conditions are too poor, and people do not feel safe, rewarded, and engaged in the kind of work that's being offered. And if you're an employer who says, I can't find staff, stop, stop looking at the workers as the problem. Start looking in the mirror because chances are that's where the problem is. That's it for the weekend wrap this week. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion. Don't forget to tune in to the week on Wednesday, this Wednesday. And of course, we've talked a little bit about labour issues today. And if you want to make sure you're protected, if you want to avoid the Hunger Games, if you want to avoid being pitted against your friends, your colleagues, your workmates, join your union. Get them to join the union. The best thing you can do is join your union and get one or two other people to do the same. And you know what? It's really easy. You can do it online. Go to australianunions.org.au slash wow. That's W-O-W for the week on Wednesday. You can sign up right now and then you'll be in your union for the week ahead. And as things open up, you know that you'll be having the protection and the support that you need. Remember, be kind to yourself and to each other.